You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Chelsea. Hi, it's Erica. Hi, it's Shannon. Tonight we're talking about uh, Hamza Ali, and I just want to give everybody a little um, disclaimer that this story deals with crimes against a minor child. So just kind of wanted to put that in the beginning because it's tough. This is a tough case, um, and it's also solved. And I'm doing air quotes around solved right now because while it's there's a person that's in custody. For this case, um, they have not and probably will not stand trial. So I'll get into all of that. But it's kind of still kind of I think they're considering it still like a, you know, an unsolved case, even though they have confession, so to speak. So so I know uh, that, you know, this is a little different than what we normally do. um, But I did, you know, find it, you know, interesting. And again, you know, justice has not been served. So it's, you know, take it as you will. But it's about Hamza Ali, who was a seven-month-old boy who was taken from his mother's boyfriend's parents' home in for Darby visiting this gentleman's parents when uh, the child went missing overnight. Uh, it was his girlfriend's son, not so not biologically not his. And a day before he was taken. He allegedly told the baby's mother, whose name is Zainab Gal. Apologies if that's mispronounced. Um, but he told her that he wanted to get rid of the infant and was going to take him to Maine to be with Gal's parents. So he was just not a fan of this baby. I mean, I don't know how you can not be a fan of wow. a beautiful seven-month-old baby. I just can't stand it. Like this child is just you know what you're getting into. That's like a commitment. I don't. I don't understand. I don't, I don't either, especially, you know, having been a single mother, you know what I mean? It was just like, it's a package deal. Don't like it. Go. Yeah. So, you know, no hard feelings. It's just, it, it, there's no, there's no if, ands, or buts with that. It's just, it's how it is. Well, sometimes I feel that people think they can change your mind or like convince you. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, and I wonder, so, did he not mind the baby but, for the other seven months like was this something new or did she know this whole time that he didn't like the baby i wonder i don't know um there's not much about her other than you know that she was afraid of him she said he was abusive so i guess part of the reason she stayed in the relationship but you know unfortunately some people just can't get get themselves out of that until it's too late or fear okay yeah yeah fear is a great motivator so he he just did not care for this kid. He made it known to her, made it known to his family that it was just the, the child was in the way. So he told the baby's mother that if he was going to, you know, he wanted to take the baby to Maine to live with her parents. And he said, if not, quote unquote, if not, I will throw him off a bridge before I get there. I can get away with murder, end quote. So, ill. Yeah, I want to throw that man off a bridge. Right. So, and according to Upper Tarby Police Superintendent at the time, Michael Chitwood, um, Gall was afraid of him because he had been physically abusive towards her. His name is Umad Rushdie. So I'll just call him Umad or Rushdie or maybe maybe Killer at this point because this just 
this case just infuriates me. So, so I'm a, I apologize if I get sidetracked because I just can't. So anyway, according to court documents, Rushdie outwardly disliked the baby and told his sister he would never adopt the child because he would not treat him equally with any of his own children. So he has, flag right so there. You should does, not be having your own children. He does have kids. I wonder what the like, I don't know, disconnect was with this other kid. That's crazy. I don't know. All I can think is maybe just because it wasn't his and, and because he was so young, like, I don't know how long these two were together. Did they get together when she was pregnant, after she had him? Like, there's not really any of that type of information. So, you know, who knows? But he just he just felt that 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 baby was in his in the way of his relationship. It just kills me because kids are so, so innocent and I don't know how you can like pinpoint one kid out of the bunch. Right. Like, it's almost like more disheartening. Yeah. I don't know. And some I've heard like siblings, their parents getting their siblings to also hurt like a specific sibling. It's just terrible. Yeah. Um. So if, if the baby cried, he would yell at him to you know, tell the baby he was going to tape his mouth shut because, you know, you can reason with a baby by saying, hey, if you're not quiet, I'll tape your mouth shut. And that, you know, should work. And he said three days before the baby went missing, he grabbed him roughly enough to hurt his shoulder. So there was not really any indication as to what type, it, like if it was any type of in, like injury, dislocation, or if it was just, you know, he, he grabbed him, yanked him and bruised him. Cry, and he, I don't know. There's just too but, many people that have saw this. Like for him to disclose how he feels, so much could have been done. Uh-huh. I don't understand. Very true. I know. I know. I, I can't get my head around it at, like at all. Especially when I have the the links and there's a picture of him, and when you see this baby's face, you are you yeah. will you will you will just it will just break your heart. It'll break your heart. So at three a.m. on August fourth, now they're they're at Rushdie's parents' house in Upper Darby. So he woke up Gall, the baby's mother, and told her he had to move his brothers. And this was in this is apparently what he told her: Tan Lincoln Continental. So I I don't know how how the, the color comes into play, that it was reported in such a way. But this is what he told her. She went back to sleep and she, and stated that if he, if the baby cried at all at that point in time, she didn't hear it. So Upper Darby police believe that Rushdie killed him, killed the baby, and took him to York County. York County police found the Lincoln on the morning of August 4th off Route 30 in Columbia Borough in Lancaster County. They found a shovel in the car and Rushdie's brother told him two days later that Rushdie confessed that he killed him by shaking him to stop him from crying. And then he panicked and drove to the York area and buried the baby. Now, I'm going to say something. I sometimes I'm like, I don't know how people could do that and get frustrated. Um, and I've babysat for so many things. I've been babysitting almost 20 years and um I babysat for a family that had a boy that had, um, of course, the name's going to blank, but colicky. He was very colicky. And literally, <laughs> he he would take a nap and it'd only be 45 minutes. He'd eat, like play for an hour and then go back to sleep. But the entire time he was awake, he was like screaming, like almost as if he was in pain. And I, were, I <laughs> remember I would babysit for them like once every other month, like the dad was a cop, the mom was a nurse. So they had like one shift that would always fall on the same day. And it was a 12 hour shift. And I was like, I just don't know how they can do it. 
Like I love babies and I mm-hmm. they had everything. They had the teether, they had like the medicine, the holistic stuff. Nothing would work. And I was just like, I don't know how they do it. They are saints because I mean, crying is one thing, but then the inst- like constant crying. And I mean, I get it, but like, I just don't understand. They're so innocent though too. And they're babies. I don't know. And it's their only way of communicating. Yeah. And my daughter was actually like that. She cried a lot. And I know it's your own kid. It's different when you're the mother of your own kid and you, you feel differently about it. But um, even, you know, my husband at the time would say, I don't know how you're because I would just go in there and pick her up and pace around the room. And she would just be screaming in my ear the entire time. And um mm-hmm. You know, even her dad would say, how are you doing that? I don't know. I feel bad for her. And and when Chelsea, when you said screaming like they're in pain, I felt like she was in pain or something and I had to do something about it. But some people that clicks their head into a crazy frenzy. Oh, yeah. And if they have a short fuse already, it's like a, it's destined to have a really, really bad outcome. And so sometimes like before I was like, how could they ever And then sometimes when you read it, it's like, not that it makes it okay. It's never okay. But like, there are people out there to help. You need to tell people you need to get the help. Like, baby's just not crying just to cry. Like, you're right. It's a signal for something. And it's just really just heartbreaking because you hear stories where people were trying to be malicious or it was like an accident or like it just overcame them. And it's just the whole entire thing is so, so sad. But then seeing the after effects of like the struggles that babies and have to deal with if they do survive is just horrific. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's a sad situation. Well, I think he had this planned out. I like to though. Like it, it oh, seems yeah. like Sounds he might like have it. been yeah. planning it. Yeah, yeah. You don't tell that many people that you can't stand a baby. That baby didn't have to do much to. Yeah. Apparently, all he only had to do was something that. One of the three things that they do at that age. Yeah. So two witnesses in New York told police they saw him that morning carrying a plastic bag and a Quran. They invited him to church where he began acting strangely and at one point was sobbing loudly on his knees outside the Sunday school room. So right there you got some red flags, but who would know at that point? They're just going to church and, you know. Who would know what he what he was capable of at that point? On August 7th, he was arrested while fleeing the Windsor Township home that he lived in with Hamza, um, Hamza's mother and his own brother and said others. So I'm not sure if that's other just other people. I don't know how many people were in this house, how many, you know, if they were brothers, sisters, what have you. But apparently there were a lot of people in this house. And my opinion if there were so many people or just at least multiple people, just a, a brother living in this house, how, how did nobody intervene on this child's behalf? Just, I just, I just can't understand. Just can't understand that. So York and Upper Darby police failed to locate the body after several days of intensive searching. Uh, Rushdie told the police that they would never find the baby. On August 8th, Rushdie asked to speak with detectives and told them he shook the child to keep him from crying. And when the baby stopped breathing, he attempted CPR. Quote, I wrapped him in a sheet and put him in the back of the car and buried him. End quote. He said he later went back to the burial site and reburied him. He told the police, when I get out of jail, I'm going to dig him up and I'm going to bury him in my backyard. So Rushdie did say he was sorry for what he did. 
but that he would be judged only by God and not the system. So this is where it gets a little, uh, I don't, I don't care for this next part simply because I don't agree with it. And I'm not a mental health professional by any, any stretch of the imagination, but Rushdie was admitted to Norristown State Hospital in 2018 after a court appointed psychologist ruled him incompetent to stand trial. Why? Yeah. They treated him with medication over the next two years um, per the court order, but found that it did not improve his condition. Apparently, he is suffering from paranormal and supernatural delusions and believe that, quote, the devil is trying to use the system to break him down, end quote. And that's according to Norristown State Hospital psychologist Jaron Moore. So the case will remain active against him. So, you know, eventually, if he does, if his condition is deemed to have improved enough to stand trial, he will stand trial. But... Until that time, he's going to stay in Norristown State Hospital. And the reason I don't agree with all of that is because there's, at least through my research, and I know I don't have all all of it, but there was nothing that led to any type of indication of, you know, any types of paranormal super delusions. It was just pure disdain for this baby. So where does this mental health come in like it wasn't said anything to the police he said i'm sorry but you know he wouldn't stop crying like i i don't know he might be playing crazy i guess i typically there's like lead up like they have you know people that do struggle with like hallucinations or like a lot of like the people that have religious um i guess motivations to do horrific crimes there's tons of acts that kind of lead up to it, like spewing over religious words, not just because you're religious. I mean, there's a couple of cases where people like hallucinate or claim like God's telling them to do stuff, but it there's a clear path that leads up to it. And I, this just seems like he was just a bad person and then was like backpedaling when he realized he was going to get caught. And like, I don't know, they how can they even say that he really did uh shake the baby if they can't find the body what if it was something more what if that's just a cover and it's just terrible the whole thing's terrible it really is yeah i wonder why they can't find him but like i guess he's not showing them where he buried the baby nope well he said if he gets out he'll go find him and rebury him so let him out follow him let him out follow him yeah you know, and then there you go. There's your there's your smoking gun, so to speak. Right. You know, there's there's your proof and kind of kind of puts it puts him more in a different light as far as his sanity goes, doesn't it? Seems like he has all the cards in his hands and he's playing everyone. Yes. Yes. And looking at and this picture, the baby is so freaking sweet. His little cheeks. I know. I'd, I'd have taken oh my him, gosh. Oh, I'd have taken him in a heartbeat. <laughs> like, I, like just. He's just precious. And that's the thing that's also super frustrating because you hear all these stories. I mean, I see so many stories. I just heard a dad like execution style killed his three children like a week Mm -hmm. or two ago. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. There's so many families looking to add children to their home and they can't because of multiple reasons. Um. And adoption is just so expensive. It really is. If you're looking to get like newborn baby, like that doesn't have the trauma with the older kids and 
we have looked at a fostering to adopt or adopt. And like once kids hit five after that, they'll do anything to like get them to be adopted. It's almost like they almost like drop like protocol just so you'll take them like, oh, if you take two, we'll do this deal, like things like that, like paired siblings and stuff like that. Just like a really, really sad system. And just so many people would be more open to take kids in if it wasn't like jumping through hoops. Yes. For like newer babies. And those are usually the kids that are like severely like hurt and killed are usually the younger ones. Like I think like seven and younger. Well, it's just sad. It is. You know, like what are you going to what's going to come of those poor kids? Not, you know, they have, they're they just they're, you know, already starting off in the hole. And then and then sometimes you get those, you know, those people that go, you know, become foster parents just for the government check. Yes. And, you know, my partner i don't know if you guys know i know uh grace knows uh he was adopted um and he was adopted with two of his biological brothers into a family with four to six other adopted children and his adopted mom only really adopted kids with special needs or medical issues because it's more money and like once they turned 18 oh my gosh or the benefits stopped she charged them rent um so yeah wow not all good people so no yeah, it's a shame. The system is messed up. I um, This is totally off, but I watched that Take Care of Maya documentary uh, over the weekend. Shows a lot of flaws in the in the system. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> Literally so many. <sighs> I just wonder what the deal is with the mother of this baby, though. I mean, it just yeah, seems uh, like she wasn't... I don't know it, how... Concerned or... Or how fearful she was of him. It could also be a cultural thing because it seems like they weren't of like the typical like Catholic or Christian. It seems like, was it Islam? See, you said, I, that's what I'm thinking. The Quran, I, 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 I believe that's like the, the Muslim Bible. Um, Again, if I'm wrong, you know, feel free to correct me. That's just that's just what I am pulling from the recesses of my brain, Um, you know, and from religious studies in the back in the first half of my life but it could totally just be that yeah you're right yep it could be you know put in you know put in that I guess that's kind of subservient culture for women and layer abuse on top of that and with you know you know being a single mom like having support any support sometimes you'll do some pretty intense things but usually like if there's abuse, if it's to the mom, okay. But if, then if it starts to the kids, that's when it kind of like wakes like someone up. And maybe she did have a plan to get out and she just couldn't execute it soon enough. Right. I mean, we'll never know really. Yeah. But it's just a really sad situation. It is. A poor little guy. Oh, so cute. Do you have um, a number for anyone to call if they have information or anything like that? They didn't really, I they didn't really put anything like that in any of the any of my research. I guess because it's technically solved case in a, in a way yeah. because we have a confession, but again, we don't have a body. You know, we have a person that confessed in a state hospital for for mental reasons. So it, they're they're not closing the case, but the, I guess there's not much they can really do until you know he's deemed fit to stand trial and they can you know, probably properly question and cross-examine him, I guess. I don't know. Maybe when it comes time so, to that, he'll do a plea bargain and maybe tell for a lesser time or something, though he shouldn't get maybe. any less time. No, definitely not. But, you know, put the little little thing to rest. Exactly. Properly. Well, this is definitely a sad story. I know. Um, I wonder if they could 
I hope he couldn't get credit for like time served or anything because he's what has it been like five years now? Yeah, I don't think so because I, I I don't know. I mean, he wasn't found wasn't found guilty by reason of insanity or not guilty, but you know what I mean, like where he was. Yeah, you know he he didn't stand trial yet, so I'm I'm guessing, and I should really you know should ask somebody about this that knows better, but he doesn't, he's technically not been sentenced. So he's just in the hospital because people said he's not fit to stand trial. So that's where he's like remanded, I guess, until. I think that they, I think Erica's right though. I think that that could be served as, you know, time served, but I don't know if it counts because he's in a mental hospital and not waiting in jail. I'm not sure. Right. Not sure about that. I would hope it, doesn't count, obviously, but yeah, me too. On another note, um, to kind of r- circle back around to Erica Brer, who uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago, um, I did have one correction I needed to make um, that I misspoke about where her she was actually found. I think I said the two hundred block of Kubak Street, and it's actually the t- it was actually the twenty one hundred block. Okay, so. You know, my apologies for for forgetting that wrong. Um, But since then, I also have been in contact with Erica's mother. So we are going to actually speak in the next couple of weeks, actually talk like, you know, on the phone or, you know, on FaceTime or something. So um, I'll get some more information, you know, directly from her and uh, maybe we can do an update at that point after. But she's really grateful that we um, that we are bringing the case back to light. So you know, maybe we'll be able to, you know, push this one across the finish line because it seems to be close. So hopefully we can, you know, help close that for her and get her some justice for Erica. That'd be great. That's all we have for this episode of the Keystone Cold Cases podcast. Please remember never to reach out to the family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement, if you have any tips. This episode was researched and recorded by me, Shannon. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance by Darren Makins. Join us next time for another case to sleuth out.